Hello and welcome to Digital Photo Magazine's weekly podcast, covering everything you need to know about the world of digital photography. My name is Matty Graham, I'm Managing Editor here at the magazine, and joining me as always is our Technical Editor, Matt Higgs. Now Higgsy, I was going to ask you how your week has been, but the bags and your eyes tell the story. <laughs> so tell the listeners what you've been up to. Yeah, I think it's fair to say I'm a little bit tired still. So myself and Tim Berry, who works on our sister title, Practical Photography, uh, decided on a bit of a spare of the moment decision to drive really far north um, after work one night uh, and to, to, to try and shoot the Aurora because we were told that they were the kind of perfect conditions to do so. What idiot told so, you that? Uh, <laughs> well, it was Tim. He's, uh, he's a bit, he's quite into his astrophotography and he's got a lot of apps on his phones that um, give him all these notifications yes, about what conditions are meant well. to be I should, quali- cl- should clarify yeah, that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you helped it encourage this. So, yeah, we finished work. We drove three and a half hours north uh, wow. from Peterborough. Peterborough's not particularly north, so we wanted to get a little bit little bit closer to where the aurora were likely to to be visible we drove all the way up there we got there probably about 10 o'clock i suppose yeah set up the cameras and took a few shots and we got nothing absolutely nothing i mean the stars were fantastic but um yeah despite all these notifications and all the uh, tips and advice we've been given about you know the best places to go and stuff um we we took shots of just some stars and no aurora to be seen Uh, and then drove all the way back home and got in about half five in the morning so um so just to set the scene you know i mean uh, what what an incredible journey and and fair play for you uh for you doing that uh you know working a full day and then heading off and driving through the night to get somewhere only to come back with not the shots that you wanted um so just to set the scene yeah um last week in the uk we had um, a real sort of um, high amount of solar radiation and that resulted in uh, auroras uh, being seen as far south as um, Northumberland. Usually they're only sort of uh, Scotland and places like that but they were also visible in Northumberland and some photographers, some lucky photographers got some brilliant images. Yeah, all right, and then, rub it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the next night you guys tried to go yeah. and... Um, it didn't happen, did it? No, I mean, like you say, it was a, it was a, it was fun experience. You know, it's it's nice to just hop in a car with a mate and try and take some shots of uh, of, of something like that. But um, yeah, in terms of photographic success, uh, it really wasn't one. <laughs> so I was also burning the candle at both ends uh, this week. But instead of chasing auroras, I was chasing deer. I got up really early and was on location uh, for sunrise. I managed to get some really nice images uh, of a pack of deer. It was really nice. There wasn't that many stars about but there was there was a lot of deer so it was uh, it was pretty good so you were getting out of bed just as I was getting in there pretty much, <laughs> pretty, <right? laughs> pretty much. and, and that, that got me thinking you know crazy photo road trips how cool would it be to head off on a photo trip if money was no object I mean like if you won the lottery one day where would you go with your camera what bucket list location would you want to uh, tick off Higsey what are your top three look bucket list locations? My top three money, no object. Well, yeah. I think the first ones is going to be quite uh, quite an obvious one, and uh, if anyone's placing bets on what I'm going to say, they'll probably go for this uh, as one of their uh, hotly tipped uh, expectations. But um, so Iceland, I think uh, it's almost become a bit of a pilgrimage yeah. for photographers now, hasn't it? That you know, at some point you've got to go and shoot Iceland, shoot the landscapes, and I haven't done it yet. So um, I think I'd, I'd like to go and do that because uh, you know some of the landscape shots you see come out of there are just just amazing. Yeah. Um, Is there any one particular location in Iceland? Oh, I don't know. How do you pick? I mean, it looks like one of those places where you can almost like 
turn and stop your car at any yeah. point and turn around and there'd be five six shots there from from any any position it's it looks quite crazy so i mean i don't really i don't really know i just like to go and explore the lot cool yeah <laughs> um i think my my second place that i'd really like to visit um so burning man festival is, oh, a, is wow. a big festival that happens in uh, the nevada desert yeah. in america yeah and um as the name suggests, it, you know the Nevada desert. It's in a desert. Yeah. Um. There's just like sand blowing everywhere, and there's these great big art installations. And um, I think to to go and kind of document that festival would be really cool. And um, you know, some of the shots you see, it looks like another planet. It's yes. Bizarre. Um. It's like some kind of steampunky, um, dystopian future world. It's 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 brilliant. So I'd love to go in there, going have a crack at capturing that. What was that word? Dy- dystopian? Yeah, yeah. Someone's been having that uh, that word toilet roll paper. I've written a bit of uh, <laughs> sci-fi literature. <laughs> yeah. Go on, what's your third one? Um, so the third one, and this is going to sound quite geeky, and not for, for most of our listeners, I'm sure it won't be anywhere near as exciting as, as Iceland or uh, a festival in the Nevada desert. But um, I'm really excited because I'm actually getting to shoot Northampton Town, which is the football team I support for the first time in a <laughs> couple of weeks and it's been on my bucket list of, of things that I want to shoot um, for absolutely ages and it's finally happening wow. so um, yeah I suppose a, a nice league one football stadium for me is number three at the moment wow. so yeah <laughs> How That's about fantastic. You? Yeah, well, I mean, the Burning Man one is one I didn't actually think of, but I really regret not putting on my list now. Mm. So mine would be, uh, the first one would be the ice stacks off the coast of Greenland. Cool. Uh, a photographer called Daniel Corden took an amazing image there, and we featured it in the mag a few months back. And I just thought it was absolutely incredible. You know, these ice stacks, the size of skyscrapers. Yeah. Um, and they're going... You know, they're melting fast. The world's getting hotter. So Get over there, mate. What are you waiting for? Well, yeah. Stop this podcast. Just go. <laughs> I'm not that good a swimmer. <laughs> um, the next one would be somewhere, you know, over the sort of American prairies. Yeah. You know, all those big skies. Yeah. And, you know, the chances are you might see, if you're lucky, you might see, or if you're not lucky, <laughs> you might see a tornado. Yeah. That would uh, be pretty cool. Just, you know, just that sort of like power, that raw power of uh, Mother Nature. Some it's of those a, storm chasing images yeah. you see are just crazy aren't they fantastic absolutely amazing um, plus I could fill up on burgers over there as well <laughs> I do like a good burger the burger tour of America and I think the last one would be um, to go to Japan during the cherry blossom season Ooh, all yeah. those beautiful trees you know just the colours and everything like that so I mean I think actually I think all mine are northern hemisphere yeah I think all were all yours are northern hemisphere I think yeah, they were yeah they were that's, yeah. that's weird isn't it that I mean, is odd there are plenty of amazing sort of photo locations um, in the world and certainly in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. But I think there is, and correct me if I'm wrong or disagree, a trend at the moment to head north. And, you know, sort of cold weather is hot, Yeah. if, if you know what I mean. You know, yeah. sort of like Iceland, Greenland. I went to um, Norway. Um, yeah. All those sort of like areas that previously have been so hot to reach mm. or so cold and inaccessible have suddenly opened up and now people are taking their cameras, they're taking their drones, yeah. creating these amazing, uh, you know, images and films. I wonder if there's something in that. They've really sort of, yeah, uh, of trend joined up the dots until there. now. Yeah, yeah, that is an interesting point. 
Cool, good stuff. Hey, talking about bucket list locations, and, and allow me, if you will, to segue nicely for a moment. <laughs> uh, in the new issue of Digital Photo, our November issue, which goes on sale uh, tomorrow, actually, um, our subscribers have got the, uh, their issues already. Um, we're giving away a free ebook that showcases 11 of the most iconic landscape locations in the UK. Now, these locations cover the length and breadth of the UK and will not only tell you where these views are, but also offer advice on how to shoot them. So if you want to grab a copy, head over to greatmagazines.co.uk forward slash DP and you can get the best deal, whether you get a print copy or a digital copy. And uh, yeah, you can check out this free ebook and uh, find out some uh, UK-centric bucket, bucket list locations. Pretty cool, eh? Sounds good to me. Good stuff. Now, on to our next item, and this too relates to the new November issue of Digital Photo, because, and I'll ask for a drum roll here, Hicksy. Okay, hang on, hang on. Oh, good work. We've teamed up with Canon to put together a, a truly once-in-a-lifetime competition where you could win not only a Canon 5D Mark IV package <sighs> worth over 4,750 of your best English pounds, but you could also get your shot your shot could take pride of place on our front cover. That's right. One of your images on our front cover, the Holy Grail. Do you know what, Matty? I, I, I wouldn't mind that camera, and I'm yet to have a front cover <laughs> uh, on digital photo. Are you sure that I'm not allowed to enter? You're not allowed to enter, Higsey. You're oh, banned, oh, that's not fair. Um, I'm afraid. Sorry about that. <laughs> but everybody else can enter. And so here's what you need to do. Head over to the website, www.dpmag.com. .co.uk. For heaven's sake, don't di- uh, type in .com. It's .co.uk. Click on the uh, shoot the cover button, which is on the homepage. And uh, now you've got one chance to impress us. So what you need to do is make sure you upload your best landscape images by following all the instructions on the screen. So what will happen next is our judge- judges will pick out three top readers and they'll get an invitation to a special location date on the south coast of the UK. We can't say exactly where yet. Um, so when the day arrives, three uh, readers will join up with uh, a Canon shooter professional called Andy Farrer, and you'll get uh, a Canon 5D Mark IV to play with, a, bun- a bunch of lenses, uh, lenses, lenses, lenses. <laughs> and you'll have the opportunity to take your chance and beat your rival participants and capture an image worthy of digital photos front cover. So I mean, you know, 5D Mark IV is exactly the right camera for this uh, sort of opportunity. Yeah, loads of megapixels. Brilliant resolution, really easy to use. Well, we've reviewed it recently, haven't we? We And it is a fantastic piece of kit. Yeah, I mean, you actually reviewed it uh, for the the magazine. What what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, fantastic. I think, you know, the the 5D series is probably like one of the, one of photography's most popular camera lines. And this is a camera that a lot of people have been been waiting for for some time. Um, And I certainly don't think they're going to be disappointed. It is a fantastic piece of kit. Good stuff. We actually worked out in the office that um, between four of us, we'd owned every mark of the 5D. I'd had the Mark 1, Georgie had the Mark 2, yeah. Tim had the Mark 3, and we yeah. were all sort of like buzzing and playing with the, the Mark 4. So it's it's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Yeah, so I shoot the cover competition. Get involved, upload your images, and as I say, the best image from our special location day will be used on the front cover and the winner will bag the awesome 5D4. So get involved. Uh, right, more magazine news. Oh, crikey, it's coming thick and fast. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, another drum roll, please, Higgsy. Okay. Because guess what? We're on Instagram. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Instagram is great, isn't it? And if you want to see behind-the-scenes videos of the DP team out on location, uh, 
inspiring imagery, all of that sort of stuff, check us out on Instagram. Our username is digitalphotouk. So get involved with that. Uh, okay, reader questions. Blimey, we haven't done reader questions for a while, have we? It's been a busy few weeks, hasn't it? It has, it has. Photo Kina, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So let's dive straight in and we'll answer a few now. So this one, uh, first one comes from Callum via email and he says, What are the advantages of shooting tethered? Advantages of shooting tethered? Well, I think, you know, we take shots and we check them on the back of a screen, but yeah. trying to judge how, you know, sharp a shot is and uh, whether you've totally nailed the exposure and stuff, uh, doing that on the on the little 3 inch or 3.2 inch or whatever it is, uh, rear display on a camera, is not actually that, that accurate a way of mm. judging uh, the quality of a shot. Um, even if you zoom in, you know, it's it's, it's quite hard to, to kind of get a real impression sometimes of um, of. Of, of the shot that you've just captured. So shooting tethered, you know, you can you can pull up your image on a much larger screen and really pick out the details and, and see what it's looking, uh, how it's looking. So um, I think that's one obvious advantage. Um, what, what, what do you reckon, Matty? What? Well, do you know what? I mean, yeah, you've explained it really well there. It's it's a great way to sort of, you know, get a better sort of preview of the image, you know, straight after you've uh, taken it. But I've got to admit, I, I rarely shoot tethered. I think I've done it maybe like three times in my entire mm. life. I remember once when I was shooting products for a company and, um, you know, I had, I had like a small sort of set set up. Literally, I took the picture and checked it straight away on the computer and it was all right. It, but, you know, I these days... I think what you're shooting, exactly. isn't it? And, and who you're with because, you know, uh, like my gig photography you know it's pointless a lot yeah, of the time no, what are you going to shoot tethered for you yeah. know you're not going to do it and it's <laughs> apart from the fact that it'd probably be quite impractical but um and but yeah if you're shooting you know fashion or or perhaps um product shots for yes. for a client and maybe they're stood alongside you and want to see straight away what you're capturing and give their um their recommendations of how they'd like the product to be turned for their exactly. catalog or whatever it may be Higgsy, it's I mean, underexposed uh, <laughs> it's underexposed Higgsy. it's nearly black <laughs> i mean there there are obviously uh, the advantages yeah. then on being able to show them straight away on a big screen what you're doing sure. and stuff but there are alternatives these days to shooting tethered aren't they i mean you can use wi-fi mm. and, you know it, all right it isn't as fast because with a with a good cable, um, you know, you can get that shot from from camera to computer in an instant. Mm. Whereas Wi-Fi takes slightly longer, um, but it's a very static based technique, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's for studio work predominantly, isn't it? Yeah. All right, Callum, I hope that answers your question. Uh, on to the next one. This is from Richard, and he says, I've been shooting landscapes for around 10 years, and I've built what I think is a decent portfolio. I'd like to put on my first exhibition, mm. but I'm not sure how to go about it or how much it will cost. Any ideas? Okay, Richard, that's a, that's a really good question, actually. I guess, where would I start? Well, you're right, putting on exhibitions can cost a fair bit of money mm. because you're effectively renting the space and as we know, you know, studio space or whatever isn't isn't very cheap, never comes that cheap. So what I do is, is look for places that won't cost you the earth. Something like um, your local library, you know, they're always looking for events to uh, interact with the community and, you know, if, if one of them is a, a photography ex exhibition, then so be it. That would really work. Mm. Um, so, and, and the advantages are you'd probably get the space for free. Yeah. Um, now, if you can't get the space for free and you have to hire somewhere, then I guess the fallback plan, which sounds like one of the bands you photograph, <laughs> um, is to sell prints at the exhibition. Don't just do it for, for, for coverage. Sell prints and um, you know that will hopefully cover the costs. Have you ever had your work in an exhibition? 
My work in exhibition. Um, I think you've I made an have... exhibition out of yourself, but uh, <laughs> have you ever had a? W- I might have had a couple of individual images in exhibitions. I've certainly never had my own exhibition. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's something that I've considered doing before as well. Um, and uh, you know, you, you had some really good suggestions and tips there of things you could do. Uh, another one that I'd suggest that y- you know you see quite often when you're out and about is there's there's lots of kind of quite nice arty coffee shops and stuff yes. opened up now. Yeah. And a lot of them. Uh, love to kind of run little bit little exhibitions and events and stuff and you know display work and um, because it you know they like to have a buzz about the place as well yeah so you know maybe if you've got like a, a local um art shop or um or you know a slightly stylish uh coffee shop yep. perhaps not your uh, costas or whatever <laughs> um you know why not go other in brands there of coffee are available <laughs> why not go in there and um you know, have a word with them and see if you can come to some kind of arrangement where maybe they, you know, stay open late one night and you display some of your work and sell it there or perhaps they display it. Um, I know some people have done some similar things and they seem to be quite successful. It's probably a good place to start if yeah. you're uh, considering ex- ex- exhibiting your work. Absolutely. I can't get my words out. Um, one other thing um, that I can maybe recommend to Richard as well is, that if, as I say, if you do have to read some space, why not partner up with somebody? Mm. Find, you know, um, another photographer who's looking to do the exact same thing and say, look, you know, if you want to exhibit as well, we'll split the costs down the middle and split the space down the middle as yeah. well. And that's, you know, half the cost of the of the project. Yeah. Good stuff. Good luck with it, Richard. Send us a link to the uh, exhibition when you when it goes live and we'll send Higgsy down and <laughs> give us some champagne and uh, go from there. Um, right, we've got one more question to get through and this one comes from Jean and she says... What's the slowest burst rate acceptable for a wildlife camera? Hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's an acceptable rate as such because it kind of depends on how you like to capture your images, you know, and um, the the type of subjects that you're shooting and stuff as well. I think you know most cameras now, if you're not getting at least seven or eight frames per second, you might kind of think, hmm, well. There's other models out there that will perhaps offer me a, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if there's uh, a, like a minimum level as such. Um, you know, I, I've shot camera, shot cameras with some terrible burst rates before and shot wildlife and came away with some really good images. So, you know, um, that's just one of the kind of specifications to, to look out for when shooting wildlife, really, I think. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it only takes one shot to be that golden sort of perfect moment. Yeah. So I agree that there isn't, you know, an acceptable rate. But, I mean, if I was going out shooting wildlife, you want to stack the odds in your favour. Mm. And these days, there's so many good cameras out there that shoot you know fairly fast yeah uh mostly APS-C as well you know they're, they're lightning fast i mean even something like the old 17 mark one which you go for like three four hundred pounds now has uh is it seven or eight frames per second something f- fast enough and that is fast enough seven or eight yeah. frames per second as you said is fast enough to capture the moment um you look at the, you know what, what's the new olympus that they brought out the um em1 mark ii which uh, can capture up to 60 JPEGs a second. Yeah, I'm not even sure if they do full frame with that as well, you know. Um, uh, full frame, um, raw files as well. Yeah. With that. Uh, I mean, there, there are some crazy, crazy uh, burst speeds out there, but I do kind of think it's almost reaching a point now where if you can't capture the image in, you know, 7 frames or 14 frames or yeah. whatever the next number is, um, I think it, there's probably some some other parts of your... your um, kind of setting selection that that you might want to look at and and see as to why you're not getting the shot in those frames because you know seven frames in a second 14 frames in a second all these figures that's a lot of shots 
Well, it sounds like Jean is looking for a new camera for wildlife. Um, she hasn't given us a budget, but what would you suggest to her? Just off the top of your head. I mean, one camera I really enjoyed uh, reviewing recently um, was the Nikon D500. So, you know, it's crop sensor, so you've got the... Um, You've got the kind of advantage of having a bit of a crop on it, uh, yeah. on your focal length and stuff, which might appeal to some wildlife photographers. And you've also got some specifications like burst speed and buffer and that, which you know virtually match the uh, the D5. Yeah. Um, so you're getting a real kind of flagship performance out of a out of a camera with a crop sensor. So uh, all right, money bags. Like um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what, what about what about a sort of more affordable option? Um. Oh well, it it kind of depends, doesn't it? How affordable? Uh, my girlfriend uses a, a Nikon uh, D seventy two hundred, and um, I, I've taken it out for a spin a couple of times and shot some wildlife with it, and I was always really pleased with that. And it's that's that's probably a more affordable option for you. Have you got any Canon suggestions? I know you're a Canon shooter. Yeah. Um. Well, like I said, the the seven D Mark One is still a great camera. Seven D Mark Twos are coming down in price as well. I mean, even the Canon eighty D is quite a fast shooter these days. You know, that's sort of like um. I guess you, it's it's their sort of mid-level range, slightly below the 7D mm. line, but it's still a fantastic camera. Um, also, as well, you know, things like the Pentax K3 Mark II, I think that's you know a really reasonably priced camera. I think you can get them for like 600 uh, pounds, and that is fast. I think that's nine frames per second. Mm. I'll have to uh, check that, but it's a really really good camera. And you know, you mentioned the CSCs, something like the um, Sony A6300. Yeah, it's lightning fast. Yeah, it's a really, really good camera. High, I think it's twenty-four megapixels, yep. so it's really good. So, I mean, one thing that Jean will find is that she's not short of options. No, definitely. Um, not. So, so get the camera you need, and then work on the technique. Good stuff. Okay, well, that's pretty much all we have time for now. But we'll be back at the same time next week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a show, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>